0: Good morning, good morning. Well, welcome to church. I know that you know that some of our ushers are freaking out thinking that there were no chairs, but there are actually a couple of comfortable chairs. If you see one, you can grab one, but either way, man, we're glad you're here. We are pretty full this morning, and that's a surprise with the weather, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's amazing. So give yourself a hand for showing up because I know that's amazing. My name is Ben Chapman I'm one of the pastors here at Luminous Church and I'm so glad to be here with you this morning and just a couple announcements or, or a treat this morning actually. so we've been doing a shoe drive um, all year and it, it concludes today Soul for Souls with Christian Assistant Ministries and, and the director of Christian Assistant Ministries is actually here to kind of share what they do and where these shoes are going. so we all give Don a big hand as she comes up and just shares with us this morning)
1: Thank you. Um, one of the things I wanted to share with you, first of all, that wasn't planned on, but as I was sitting here singing and worshiping with you all, I started looking at the shoes and that the fact that they were new, and actually, even saying this kind of <laughs> makes me emotional. Um, I keep myself in check working at CAM a lot, keeping my emotions down because we're serving people who are facing enormous crises. And it's my job to work to raise the money and the items they need. It's not my job to to get overly emotional and cry because they need me to have the courage to fight for them. Um, So, first of all, I can't thank you enough for these shoes being new and so precious. Um, Gently used items are wonderful too, and we couldn't serve over 50,000 people without the excess of gently used items and people cleaning out their closets, but this gift is incredible. What I wanted to tell you is that CAM is a 42 year old nonprofit founded by nine downtown churches, and today it is supported by over 80 churches in our community, serving people um, sometimes who made bad choices in life and still need a hand up, serving people that didn't make any wrong choice and yet life has been hard on them because of mental and physical illness. Some are children, over 14,000 we serve are children. Some are homeless, some are working poor, and others just face enormous obstacles. Um, I wanted to tell you some shoe stories, though, so you would know what your shoes are going to mean to people. And I was sort of struck by the fact that this is the Easter season, and it's a lot of time at churches where you hear stories of Jesus. And um, it struck me how the Bible chooses to tell certain stories. You know, there were probably thousands, but only a few made it into the Bible. And a couple of times, Jesus talks about feet, which is kind of unusual, but really not because um, we need our feet to be protected. We need our feet to work. Our feet can get weary and dirty. Our feet... um, give us strength. They identify who we are. Women know that often because we like some good shoes. But but men need shoes too to work. And we see clients who need um, steel-toed boots. They've just gotten a new job and yet they have to get steel-toed boots and they don't have the money to afford them. So I wanted to tell you a quick story about steel-toed boots and God's blessing and to let you know that your gift is going to change someone's life, and you just don't know how. Um, We had a police officer come in one time, and he had a size pair of nine steel-toed boots. And he said he wanted to donate those to us, but he wanted to make it a little bit troublesome for us because he wanted us to call him, when we found a person who wore a size nine, needed steel-toed boots, and let him come over and take a picture of him giving them the boots. That's a little bit of trouble sometimes because our clients, you know, can be in a hurry. Um, is he going to be working when they call? When this, we find this right client? So we said okay because he wanted to promote this idea with other police officers because he wanted them to donate their steel-toed boots. So one day a guy came in, I'll call him Jim, and he shared that he'd been recently incarcerated and... Um, had found the Lord in prison and was really looking to change his life, and someone had told him to come to Christian Assistance Ministry, and he needed size 9 steel-toed boots to start a job tomorrow. So we were thrilled. We got the steel-toed boots out. We said, we've got them for you, Jim, and sometimes we don't have any. So this was really a miracle, but that's not really the miracle of this story. We said, Jim, would you be willing to stay here so we can call the person that donated them and would you allow us to take a picture so we can share it with people? And he said, yes. Well, we failed to tell him it was a police officer. <laughs> we do not really think about that, but then later we kind of thought, oh, you know, he's an ex-offender. And a lot of our clients are afraid of the police. They've had bad experiences. Um, so the police officer walks in the door, and Jim begins crying. I don't mean a little bit, but sobbing. And he shares that he'd been in prison for assaulting a police officer. And now this police officer was giving him the boots he needed to start his new life. So I share that with you because you don't know what these shoes are gonna mean to some child, some grandmother, some man like Jim. And I can't thank you enough for doing this for those we serve. Thank you.
0: Hey, Don. That's awesome. Would you stretch your hand out to Don and just what, what's going on here. So, Father, we just love you. God, I just thank you for this amazing woman, Father, who is obedient to share the message of hope, God, with your body, with your church. And so, Lord Jesus, we pray, God, that you would use these shoes to be a blessing, Father. We pray for many more stories like that. And, Lord, we just pray, Father, that you would touch those who are hurting and those who are in need. And, Father, a story of Reconciliation. Who would have thought that shoes could be a reconciliation story? But it was, and it will be again. And so, Jesus, we thank you for this, and we thank you for this ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a big hand for that. So thankful, man. I just, I wanted, I asked, um, I asked uh, Christian Assistant Ministries to come and um, share, and they actually offered, I believe, and uh, which was so much greater because uh, you got to hear firsthand wh- where these gifts go. We also want to let you know that we invited Kins 5, and they did a, a, a story on this this morning and, and a quick interview. And so if you tune in tonight at 10, it would just be a story of hope, and, and maybe you could tell somebody about that just so that they could be encouraged and maybe get on board with what God's doing. Uh, so this is one shoe drive that we're doing. We're actually going to do one in August. For back to school kids, and then one at Christmas. So, um, with our vision, a walk, we're giving away shoes all year, and just believe that's what God has called us to do. And so, thank you for doing that this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to First Samuel chapter seventeen. That's where we're going to be this morning. First Samuel chapter seventeen, and uh, I entitled this message uh, "Slaying Giants." Don't you just love that? It sounds powerful and strong, slaying giants. And um, you already know where we're going. You know where we're talking about if you grew up in church. But if not, this is a very familiar story um, if, for the church and, and a story that was very familiar to me about David and Goliath. And it's powerful. But um, I just, I, <clears throat> to start off this morning, I just want to talk, just uh, uh, be selfish a little bit. I want to talk about me. And, uh, and, and I promise that we'll encapsulate all this with Jesus. But time we're out of here, but uh, many of you know that Brandy and I, we're in the middle of a move, and so we moved into an apartment, and now we're moving again this weekend into a guest house, and then next month, at the end of next month, we'll move again. So that's three moves in nine months, averaging one month one move for every three months. Now, if you're the military, you kind of know that life, right? But I, uh, I, I'm not familiar with it. And it has been, it has been crazy and it's been uh, pretty uh, stressful in some sense. And, and mainly because it interrupted my rhythm. We love a rhythm, don't we? We love some rhythm. We love some predictability. Now, I know some of you are like, I don't like a rhythm, Pastor. I like to be unpredictable. You know, I'm I'm the unpredictable person. Well, any of you like a rhythm, you know. You wake up, you know, and you go to bed. So that's your rhythm. And no matter whatever hour that is, but you're kind of used to it and that's what you do. We all have a rhythm and I just feel like our rhythm 's just been off this morning. I woke up at five a m because I was going to get my laptop to study for, for the sermon this morning just to review it and refresh and. And so we're living in this guest house over here in Timberwood Park, and our our apartment is over here in Helotus. So I wake up at 5 a.m. I drive to Helotus. I I look in the apartment, and I'm looking frantically everywhere for my laptop bag because to prepare a sermon without a computer and the resources you need, without a Bible, it's kind of hard, right? You kind of need a Bible to prepare. And so I'm looking everywhere. I can't find it. So I'm like, man, I'll just study on my phone. I went to the coffee shop. I'm looking on my phone. Then I text my wife. My wife says, the bag is over here at the guest house. So I go all the way over to the guest house, grab the bag, and then come all the way over here. So I was in the car for two hours this morning just trying to refresh for this sermon. So, um, and, and it just felt like, man, a little off rhythm. It kind of got punched in the gut. And you know what that's like, right? You've seen boxing. Have you seen a low blow that, that just punches you in the gut, punches you below the belt? And, and that's really what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about just life, how life, you have rhythm or you have expectations, if you will, and then there's these low blows that happen or below-the-belt moments that happen, and it seems like it's off limits. Well, wait, God, that didn't fit in my expectations. That didn't fit in where I thought I was going or what I thought was going to be. In fact, sometimes it feels like it's off limits, doesn't it? Have you ever been uh, dealt maybe an obstacle or opposition that felt a little off limits to your life or your circumstance or where you are? And that's, that's what I'm referring to today is when I'm talking about giants, I'm talking about the obstacles, the things in opposition that have been punching you and blowing your expectations and trying to keep you back from where God has you going. And how many of you know that's true for all of us? And I love this because, you know, I, as I'm preaching and I'm reading about David and I'm reading about this hero, I realized that David wasn't looking to be a hero in this story. He wasn't looking to be Saul, which was his predecessor or the one, or the one who was before him. He, he wasn't looking for that. He was just a humble shepherd. And in fact, what motivated him more than anything instead of being a hero was to be a guide. He wanted to be a guide because he saw the Israelites were paralyzed with fear and they couldn't fulfill their destiny. So in order for them to fulfill their destiny, he needed to be a guide to help them get past this giant. And I just want to tell you that a lot of times life's like that. Here at Luminous Church, oftentimes people say, well, who's the hero of the church? Well, obviously we say Jesus. The next we say, oh, Pastor Ben's the hero. But Donald Miller in building a story brand would say, no, actually you're the hero. This church is the hero. And I am the guide to help you defeat the giants that are in your life. I am the guide to help you fulfill everything that God has called you to fulfill in your life. Anybody watch the Spurs, Ginobili retirement? Come on. Three of us. Come on, somebody. San Antonio proud, y'all. It's transplant city, man. Everybody's moving from everywhere else. I was watching Ginobili, and I was watching it, man. I stayed up late, made it a date night. I was like, baby, you sit right next to me. We're watching Ginobili retire. (laughs) Here it is. There's that number. And as I'm watching it, you know, everybody would say, who's the hero of the Spurs? Everybody would say, Ginobili's a hero. He's a hero. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame, which means he's famous, and he's heroic, and he's awesome. But, but Ginobili actually turned around. He said, I'm not the hero. You are the hero. You, uh, you, you fans are the hero, and I was just a guide to give you some hope in this city so that you would have an incredible experience and that you would be Spurs proud. And all of us walk around Spurs proud. I see some sharks in here this morning, and we're like, yes, the Spurs. And really the fans were the heroes, and Ginobili was the guide so that the fans could recognize their ability to cheer, their ability to laugh, sometimes their ability to cry. But we're making the playoffs, so we're not crying this year. Praise the Lord. Start praying it faster with me. We got to make this happen. See, here in this story, this is, this is what we often see. And, and oftentimes we see that David right here, we see that he's a hero, but he's also a guide. And, and maybe it's some semantics to you, but I believe it's, it's proper to maybe to position it. And in front of David in 1 Samuel 17, 4, it says it's the Goliath. A Philistine champion from Gath came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. Everybody say, that's a tall man. I mean, have you ever seen anybody nine feet? You know, I mean, it's crazy. There's nine foot ceilings in most of our home. You know, Goliath couldn't even fit in your house. And and David was the average Israelite height, which was presumed to be about five and a half feet tall. So it was Pastor Ben height. I'm two inches on David, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Like, maybe the anointing's stronger on me. I don't know. Probably not. But uh, five, seven, nine foot, it's a pretty big obstacle. It's a pretty big task. And I just want to let you know that, that in front of us with the giants in our life, they seem sometimes taller than we can really grasp. They seem bigger than us. It's kind of the point of the story. And the first thing that you need to know is there will be giants. If you're taking notes, there will be giants. And this is good to know because when I was 14 or 20, I didn't think there was any giants. I didn't think there was any obstacles. I didn't think anything could take me down. And, man, I had all these expectations. I was moving through life, but then I would get my heart broke, and then I would get sucker punched. But I'm like, oh, that was just coincidence, you know. But I'm just going to let you know, there are giants. There will be giants. In fact, Ephesians 6.13 says this, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That there will be an evil day. There's an evil day coming against you. And then 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour that, that there will be giants and there's things that are constantly trying to devour you. Giants such as anxiety. Giants such as depression. Giants such as grades in school. Giants such as paychecks not being what you expected them to be. Giants of, of a new debt that oh, you open up the letter and you see it and then all of a sudden and you're thinking how am i going to pay for this i did not expect this today giants in relationship giants trying to find a spouse giants marrying a spouse right and you're like whoa i didn't know, whoa you kind of look tall right now like giants of broken expectations giants, ultimately, of fear. Fear. In fact, that's where the enemy wants you to be. You see, you can only live in two worlds, and I say this often. You can live in fear, or you can live in love. And the enemy wants to do everything he can to get you to live in a world of fear. And in 1994, at 12 years old, I was a boy who was just trying to figure out life, and yet I dealt with a social panic disorder. Anytime I was in a room, I, I would, my, my heart would flutter, and it would be almost an ongoing panic attack. Don't dare ask me to speak out loud in front of everybody, because if I did, it was a fight-or-flight moment in that situation. Fear. Fear grappled me. Fear just consumed me. It was so bad that I actually had to be medicated at 12 just so I could cope with people. I had all these techniques and all these skills, and I was just consumed with fear because the enemy wants you to live in a world of fear. He wants to keep you back from your destiny, and your destiny is a fulfillment of who you are at your best in the world of love, the world with Christ. That's the best place to be. It's it's where God wants you, and yet yet the enemy wants you to constantly fear, be afraid, and pull you into that. Second thing you need to know is not not just that giants will come, but giants will be pests. They'll be pests. They're going to pester you all the time. It's not like just a one and done thing. It's going to keep coming and keep luring and and keep coming around. In 1 Samuel 17, 16, we read about this pesty giant. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took his stand, taunting the Israelites, paralyzing them, keeping them back from all that they were supposed to conquer and the places they were supposed to go. For 40 days, he would come out. The rule of seven in marketing is if you hear something seven times, then you're probably going to buy the products. Or the rule of 20, as some people would say, and some of you are here as a result. Somebody's been inviting you to church seven times. Some of them 77 times, seven, 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 whatever that is. Praise the Lord. Right? So can you imagine? Not seven times, 40. 40 times taunting you, breaking you down. Some of you know what that's like because you've been taunted by something. You've been punched in the gut over and over and over again. But love this that in Luke 4 we read that you weren't the only one punched and the Israelites weren't the only one punched but Jesus was punched for 40 days. For 40 days in the desert he was punched. For 40 days in the desert he was tempted. He was tempted over and over and over again and he was slapped and punched and tempted But I want to tell you right now, church, that God has called you to slay giants. He's called you to slay giants, and it's not just for you, but it's for others. You see, it's not just so that you can be a hero, but so that you can be a guide for somebody else, so that they can be a hero. C.T. Studd said this. He was a missionary in the 1800s to the Congo. He says this as an encouragement. As we're fighting this battle, let us not glide through this world and then slip quietly into heaven without having blown the trumpet loud and long for our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Let us see to it that the devil will hold a Thanksgiving service in hell when he gets the news of our departure from the field of battle. That this is an encouragement, that we would blow our trumpets loud, that we would believe that there is is this battle, but we're going to proclaim the name of Jesus. Wherever we go in, David did the same thing when it came to slaying giants in 1 Samuel 17, 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go fight him. Let no one lose heart. It wasn't like, I'll go fight him. No, no, no. Let no one lose heart. I'm I'm going to bring something to these people that they so desperately need. I'm going to help be a guide so they can be a hero to their promise and destiny. 1 Samuel 17, 25 says this, have you seen the giant? The men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give the man one of his daughters for a wife, which could be a blessing or a curse. I don't know. And the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. You see, here's what's great. It's David didn't go because of this promise. David went because they were, they were enslaved they were held back they were paralyzed with fear but because he went there was a there was a blessing that would go from children's children to children and I just want to tell you that there's a blessing for your life as you begin to slay giants there's a blessing not just for your life but for your spouse's life for your kid's life for the people around you that they're going to begin to walk in the blessing of the Lord because you fought the battle Because you once were afraid and fearful and enslaved to alcohol, but now you're free and you're going to see what happens in the family around you. You once were controlled by pornography or lust, but now you're free because you were fighting a battle and you see the blessing around you. You once had depression and you couldn't go anywhere, but now you're free and you have joy and it's a blessing to those around you. You see, when you fight the battles and you slay the giants, it's a blessing for the people around you. This is what I understand from David. And this is what I understand as we begin to read scripture and understand God's heart. It's for the people around you. And it's not just for you. So how do we slay a giant? Well, practically, real practically, four points how you can slay a giant in your life. The first thing you need to do is you need to sit. What? I need to sit. I need to go fight, man. No, you need to sit. You need to sit with Jesus and be still. Psalm 46, 10 and 11 says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That we need to sit and recognize how great God is. Because when you see how big God is, all of a sudden your giant starts shrinking. When you start sitting with Jesus, all of a sudden you realize that he is the king of kings and lord of lords. And the obstacle that you face is not as big as it once was. You see, we need to sit with Jesus. We need to sit at his feet. We need to be there when he's around. And we need to to be near to him and be still and know that he's God. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you sat with Jesus? When's the last time you sat at his feet? Long enough to recognize him. It's not just to sit. Because sitting puts you in a posture. And the posture for listening. So you must sit, but you also must listen. We must listen to Jesus. We must listen to who he is. And we got to realize our worth. You see, as you listen, your worth is just being made known and made manifest in your life. It becomes clearer and clearer to you in every single way. And he says, hey, I, I, I want to use you, but I don't want to just use you. Because you're not a tool to be used. You're a son or daughter to be included in the journey that I have for you. That I want to include you on this journey as I define who you are. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but you now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy, dear friends. I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. Glorify God on the day he visits us. See, when you sit and you listen, you find this worth. That you're God's special possession. That's amazing. Does that make you feel good? Like, man, I'm special. Yes. Yes. You're special. Tell your neighbor you're special. Oh, man, come on. They're not going to believe that. Come on, tell it like you mean it. Tell your other neighbor. Try, Try with your other neighbor. Say, you're special. You're special possession. You're special possession. You're amazing. You're awesome. You're lovely. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're my creation, I crafted you, I knitted you together in your mother's womb before you knew one day I knew you. That is beautiful, it's amazing, it's what God says and it's who he is. And if we sit and we listen, then we must act. If you're going to slay a giant, you must act on what the Holy Spirit asked you to do that day. You must act because he wants to tell you your worth. He wants to tell you that you're going to be a light, that you're going to shine bright before all men. And so you begin to act and you begin to walk it out. And as I think about this story, there were so many different illustrations I could use, but there's one maybe familiar to some, but unfamiliar to others. You see, when I was on 410 in San Pedro, I was in the car and I tried to do what every good pastor does. And I fell at it so much where I called people when I haven't maybe seen them in a month or two. Just want to check on how they're doing. I just Maybe something happened in their life. Maybe they need a prayer. Maybe, they, maybe just someone to talk to. So I'm in the car and it had actually been a while since I made a phone call like that. And all of a sudden, as I was listening, God put somebody on my heart. And I needed to call this man. And so I was like, ah maybe I'll just text them. You know, cuz texting's easier. It's non-confrontational. Welcome to me. And uh maybe I'll text them. Uh maybe I'll just call them later. I'll call them later. And then I was listening, and the Holy Spirit said call him now. I said, "Okay, I'm going to call him." So, I did what every good pastor does, I talk on the phone while I'm driving. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so sorry. And I call him. And I said, "Hey, Billy, I haven't seen you in a while and just wanted to see how you doing, man." And I just I'm seeing you around and just miss you, man. Just everything. Oh no, what? Okay. And on the other end of the phone call, I heard a tone that most of you hear—the tone of when you just got punched. The tone when you had an expectation of maybe your life as a doctor, your life of where it should go and the trajectory, but being punched. You know what it sounds like. And some of you speak that tone sometimes. I said Ben, "I'm so glad you called." just got off the phone, and they let me know that I have stage three colon cancer, and you're the first person I've talked to. And in that moment, I did not know what to say, right? I knew I should act and I should call him, but now I don't know what I should say. And so I just remember to slay giants, you must yield. You must yield to the Holy Spirit because he's going to give you the words to say. So I said, Billy, I I don't know, man. Let's go meet. Let's go hang out. I know that whenever the grief, somebody's grieving or somebody finds news or they just got punched, they need somebody around, right? You, you, you realize, like, sometimes you have to remind people to breathe? Like, take a breath. So I picked him up, and, and we hung out, and it, and, and we, we cried together, and we talked. We spent that moment together for a few hours in his Tahoe in a parking lot. And it was a sweet time. And and I I was nervous going over there and I was praying and I reminded Luke 12, 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what you should say. I'm so thankful for that. As you see, Jesus is amazing, but Jesus was in flesh incarnate, so he was in proximity. He was only in one locale at a time. You, You may remember the stories when people wanted a healing, they had to fight through crowds just to touch his cloak. You see, Jesus in proximity in one locale couldn't heal everybody who needs healing, couldn't do all the ministry that he needed to do. And so he said, it's actually better that I leave so that the comforter, the Holy Spirit, could come and live in you and empower you and be the great counselor so that you can counsel others. And I will give you the words that you need to say. In that moment, I remind the Holy Spirit. So I'm yielding to him. I'm listening. and, And God shows up in a powerful moment. In my life and in his life. And here, 18 months later, as my family started a marco polo, we would marco polo him just encouragement, scripture, love, accolades, whatever we could just to, just to praise him and, and keep him going. And man, the Lord knows and he loves you. And just remind him of the Lord's love. And, and you would see, you would see Billy's picture right there. He wouldn't respond, but you would see that he watched it. You know, and sometimes, sometimes the Lord will prompt you to maybe write letters, and you're not getting anything in return. But it's okay, because the Lord's just asking you to write letters. Sometimes it's asking you to be present, but you don't feel necessarily the the joy coming off back to you, but you just need to be present. You see, you yield to the Holy Spirit, and we did. And 18 months later, I'm so excited, because Billy is now cancer-free. So praise God for that. We know that. Praise you, Jesus. Church, would you stand with me this morning? As you stand, I just want to posture our hearts. You see, Jesus wants us to slay giants, He's already won the battle, He's already won the victory. But he's giving you the ability to be included in the battles that we face and to recognize who he is and not to succumb to a world of fear, but to live in a world of love that we would sit with Jesus. We would listen to Jesus. We would act on what he says. And we would yield to the Holy Spirit so that we can slay giants. Because that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to slay giants in every area of your life. Because you were born. You were made to live in a world of love. And the greatest thing about this is that Jesus is the best guide and the greatest guide. And he's the best hero and the greatest hero. Jesus is everything that we need. And he paid the price so that you and I could have that life and life to the full. He gave his life on a cross, sacrificing his life so that you and I may not die but may have life. He was buried, and for three days he was in a tomb. But then, by the power of God, he rose from the grave, giving life to all those who believe. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes if you feel comfortable this morning. And I just want to ask you, maybe, maybe you don't know this Jesus, who's a great guide for your life, but he also was your greatest hero. So that you could be a hero and live the destiny that you're called to live in. And you don't know this Jesus, but you want to know this Jesus. And you want to make him the Lord and Savior and hero of your life. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? If that's you, I want to do that right now, Jesus. Well, if you would, just lower your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for everybody who raised their hand and said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I confess when I try to be the hero of my own life, I fail. When I try to listen and try to do it, all I hear is fear. I'm trying tired of trying to do things of my own. Jesus, you are the great hero. So I confess my sins and I live for you. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. For those who wrestle with fear, maybe there was something in your life, a giant, that just seems so opposing. And it's just been holding you back from what God, for where God wants you to go. Would you raise your hand right now? Maybe it's a fear depression. Maybe anxiety has been creeping. Maybe it's bills. Maybe it's raising your children. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your workplace. But whatever it is, I'm just believing that the Holy Spirit's gonna show up this morning and He's gonna give you a new heart. And He's gonna remind you, I'm gonna fight that battle and I'm gonna win it. You don't have to do this alone. And I know it threw you out of rhythm, but I'm right here and I know where you are and I got your back. So, Jesus, I pray right now, Father, for everybody who's raising their hand, God, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would just come, that you would flood them with your joy, overwhelming joy, overwhelming peace. Lord Jesus, I pray that you remind them to breathe, to breathe your spirit in, to breathe who you are in, to breathe your presence in, and God, I pray for faith to rise, for faith to grow, for faith to believe that, God, they would start moving in a life of love and living in that life that is so joyful that you paid the price for so Lord would you do that this morning in Jesus name